When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast Podcast with your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Chris Schubert. Again, our guy, Jake, is on the injured reserve list, so hoping that he feels better uh, very, very soon. We are paying off a tease that we gave to you what seems like months ago. Uh, it was really only about a week ago that we talked about Jamie's way too early 2021 fantasy football mock draft. Um, and I say that all to say that it's never too early. And I hope you love every bit of this mock draft because we are actually in the trenches. We are here. We are just off the end of the regular season. You remember how you feel. You can remember what these players did for you if you rostered them already. And that is why we're having this conversation. If you did not listen to the first part of this, we went 1.1 to 1.6, the first half of this. Uh, If you did not listen to that, it's about three episodes ago. So just go back. You can listen to that. And then you can come back to this part and you can listen to us kick things off with a conversation about a TDN fantasy darling, Mr. Aaron Jones at 1.7, who is going to be a pending free agent. And I can't decide if I want him to leave Green Bay or not, Jamie. And, and I mean that uh, for, for reasons as a Bears fan, I want him to leave Green Bay, right? So let, let me just remove that hat for a second. From fantasy-wise, I have loved what I've seen, especially at the beginning of this year, right? Towards the end of the year, there's been a little bit more working in of some of these other backs. And it almost feels like Green Bay is going to Green Bay, right? They're not going to pay Aaron Jones. He's going to go somewhere else, right? That could definitely happen. What's the best case scenario here? Because we have been, you especially, have been very high on Aaron Jones when a lot of other times fantasy analysts were not in love with him. And he's been a great, a great running back for you thus far uh, in 2020. Yeah, it's probably my best call of the year so far is just is planting my stake in the ground and never coming off of Aaron Jones being a top five running back, which is exactly where he finished uh, at season's end. The best scenario for him for me is clearly staying in Green Bay. Um, I think that's maybe a 60% chance at this point. Uh, I would very much not be surprised if he's playing elsewhere, but I don't expect them to bring back both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So even if they want to work in A.J. Dillon a little bit more, uh, next year, there are a lot of touches and a lot of snaps that will be vacated by Williams leaving that can go to AJ Dillon and allow Aaron Jones to continue to produce. Uh, he's developed a strong chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers speaks glowingly of him publicly at every opportunity that he gets. 
Um, and he's somebody that, again, two years in a row was finished as a top four running back in average fantasy points per game. If he's back there again next year with no Jamal Williams, I don't see a reason why he can't be in that top five conversation for the third year in a row. Yeah, he's been, he has been a running back that you have really enjoyed having rostering on your team, especially with the value of where you were able to draft him. I drafted him in every draft that I could, which meant none that Jamie and Jake were in because those guys were going to snake him from me ahead of time. Uh, and it was definitely one of the things that I was most happy about. It's what carried me in some of these leagues where some of these top backs went down, weren't as successful throughout the season. So I agree with you. I think the best case scenario for him fantasy-wise is to stay in Green Bay. But I am intrigued by certain situations, right? I think it was Jake that threw out, like, what if he goes to Seattle, right? Like, all of a sudden, the Seahawks, right, they're in desperate need of somebody like this, somebody they could count on. He fits that. You're like, all of a sudden, you'd start looking at Russell Wilson with Aaron Jones and those pieces, and you're like, yeah, I, I like that, right? But as we've discussed, very rarely do the what we want in fantasy and what happens in football actually play out in real life. Uh, would love that scenario to happen for, for Russ, for the Seahawks, and for Aaron Jones, but obviously to be determined on where he lands uh, this upcoming year. Chris, you have something to say. You're shaking your pencil at my face, so yeah, feel free to jump in here. I'm back in my desk in Arizona, and there's now just more more tools at my disposal to get your attention that I need. I would like to say something. Um, so, Jamie, this this question's for you, and I only ask this because I, I know in the beginning of the story you mentioned that like the free agent status of Aaron Jones complicates this. How much of his positioning is caked into the fact that he could go to a situation that isn't as good for him, right? So if he goes to a spot that you're not as high on, is there a chance that he goes lower down the board? Does he go behind the guy that you have next? Or is this kind of the, the lowest you'll see him falling? No, I actually think there's a better chance if he leaves that he is a farther chance to fall than he does to rise by staying. Like if you told me he's staying, uh, you guaranteed me Jamal Williams is gone. I think I probably put him at five or six uh, on this list. Depending on where he goes, he could fall out of the first round. I mean, we, we, we don't know one, a lot of uncertainty is never what you want. I brought that up on the show before, you know, uncertainty is a problem in fantasy as it is in real life when it comes to drafting. The other issue is, is we have seen running backs leave and then you don't know how they're going to be used. What is he going to be part of a committee? Where does he go? Uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a function of things as well. Cause if you think this is a committee, this is, it kind of is, but they still give Aaron Jones a lot of opportunities. They bring Jamal Williams in on pass catching downs. AJ Dillon was not used much before the final couple weeks of the year when they had things locked up. So, you know, to me, I don't imagine this is going to be more of a committee than it's been. And he's had success in, does he go somewhere else? What's the offensive line situation? What is their situation in terms of game script? The Packers have been up a lot of times, so they're able to run him late. They throw him the ball a lot early. Will he have those kind of roles? There's just so much up in the air if he leaves. And if he goes somewhere where they want to run a two, like a two-ish running back system, which we've seen Denver do it. We have seen Denver pay a high price for a free agent running back to pair him with somebody else that's already effective and still be a, a solid fantasy player, but you take a, a top five running back and turn him into a mid-level RB2. Like that's a scenario that could happen with Aaron Jones. So when I did this draft, I, I looked at it as if I had to pick my team today with the information I have today, where would I put him? Yep. Um, and this was the spot I kind of would try to play the difference here because I do think the most likely option is he returns to Green Bay, even if there is a solid chance he doesn't. Yep, I, I think there's... I think it's 50-50 at this, at this juncture, right? I think you could say he's going to go somewhere. He's, I, I, 
I think Green Bay should keep him. I, I really think that he's such a big part. He's to pretend that this offense would look the same without him, I think is a disservice to how talented he is. Um, and I know Green Bay fans don't want to hear that, but you then you haven't been paying attention, right? And I get that the running back position is is the position, uh, as Joe Marino has so eloquently said, never pay running backs, right? Like he doesn't want to even look at paying a running back. But it this is this team, this offense doesn't have a lot of options, right? We're going to talk about their two options and we're going to talk about the other one here in a minute, but they don't have a lot past that. And I understand there's another draft coming up, but I think Aaron Jones has been so valuable to this team and what he's brought that it, it would be a, it would be a big disservice to not, to not pay him and not bring him back for that Green Bay offense. So I, yeah, that all being said, I hope they don't pay him. Good, good luck, Green Bay. Hope you do that and, and move right along. All right, next guy we're going to talk about here, Jonathan Taylor, right, of the Indianapolis Colts, who we were effectively right on, right? Because we he finished strong, but we tempered the expectations at the beginning of the year because we didn't want to throw. And I would even say he was a little bit worse than we really thought in some of these moments and some of these games, right, where he ended up on our dud list a couple of times. He wasn't he, – he did not end up being the guy that we thought – even after the injuries to guys that were ahead of him, right? And Naeem Hines was used a lot more some throughout this, and they threw the ball a gazillion more times than we thought they were going to, especially in the front half of this year. But we have seen more of what we wanted to see, right, Jamie, in the back half of the season. And that's where we talk about this a lot. Do not let what happened in the first half of the year set the tone for what you think about a team or a player going into the next season because what the momentum is and what we've been seeing and what's been working for them more often than not is more usage of Jonathan Taylor. And I assume that is why you have him rated at 1.8 here in your, in your you know, way too early fantasy draft. Yeah, and this is something we talked about in the preseason of understanding when you took the Jonathan Taylors or DeAndre Swifts of the world that you were going to need to wait into the second half of the year to really get the return on your investment. And if you waited on Taylor, there was no better return. From week 11 to week 17, it was him and Alvin Kamara. Those were the top fantasy running backs, no doubt. Um, and even if you take out that final week, which was not included when I wrote this section, he was still the RB3, averaging more than 21.5 points per game from weeks 11 to week 16. It took the Colts a while to kind of figure out the formula. You know, it was, you know, we also expected Marlon Mack to have a bigger role, and obviously he got hurt with a catastrophic knee injury so early in the season. So it kind of changed everything there, but it took them a while to feel fully confident in giving Jonathan Taylor the workload, but I don't think they're gonna have any issues with this next year. Uh, the, the, he has clearly proven that for my money, he has been by far their best offensive player for the back half of the season. They are not a playoff team without Jonathan Taylor. And I do not think they will be as cautious. No, Naeem Hines will have a role, but that's fine. His role isn't what Jonathan Taylor is going to be. He, Jonathan Taylor is a more than competent pass catcher, but they're still going to lean on Naeem Hines in those moments, or they might even have both backs in the game. But Taylor was as consistent as anybody else down the stretch. I imagine we'll have a more consistent offensive line play for the Colts, which they were playing underneath their talent level early in the season. They dealt with injuries later in the season, particularly at the tackle position. I mean, they were playing Jared Valdir at left tackle uh, in week 17. Uh, so he's a guy that I could actually see rising from this spot. I, I would start considering him at pick five. I would. I think that conversation starts with him. That was uh, going to be my Robinson, question. That was going to be Nick my question Chubb. to you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that convert. I, I think to me, I, I can't put him in the top four yet, which if you listen to the show, you already probably can imagine who it's going to be. Cook, McCaffrey, 
Henry and Kamara. But like once you get into that, that next pick, which was Robinson Chubb, and then we just talked about Jones and Jonathan Taylor, like those, I'm taking those eight running backs right now first. You know how much we love RB heavy drafts. We've talked about it for more than a year now. I would consider him at five. Like I, I think he's going to be an interesting offseason evaluation to see w- who the quarterback is because that's the only thing that huge scares part me. of this huge if, part if, of this if they bring in like a journeyman backup type quarterback again and we go through another season like that taylor still has a first round value but he doesn't have top five value so it's figure out what their quarterback situation looks like whether this is rivers's last season if it is rivers and Burstead are both free agents where are you who are you going to who are you bringing in uh, that's going to affect his value but i have a hard time seeing him falling out of the first round unless there's an off-season injury or an injury in the, in the playoffs. Uh, but I could see him rising as high as number five. Yeah, this has been – if you haven't paid attention to the TDN Fantasy Show or maybe you're a new listener, right, you're going to hear a lot of running backs in this mock draft. And that I know sometimes people get excited, especially in PPR leagues, about hearing about more wide receivers. But if there's a theme, and there will be a recap, we will do some podcasts where we give away awards and start talking about some of these things – man, there were a lot of wide receivers that gave you value later on, right? And I think that's why you're going to see some of these guys. And I know I've gotten feedback from people that are like, thank you so much. So glad I listened. I know you have too, James, of like, so glad I went running back heavy because of all, I mean, we couldn't have even envisioned how many of these guys went down and how valuable it was to have them. So just- Include the top two picks. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, and, and then you throw in the fact that Ezekiel Elliott has been a huge disappointment this year and all the other factors that have happened. I mean, it's really just been a crucial, if you went to a championship game this year or won a championship, or even I'd venture to say we're in the final four spots, you probably had- gone really heavy on running backs because so many of these guys went down. It was just really a a tough stretch for, for a long period of time. All right, let's talk about the next guy won the ninth overall pick in this 12, uh, 12 team league is how Jamie has it set up. Devonta Adams, right? Green Bay Packers. I just, I said all that to set this up the first wide receiver to come off the board, right? This is, this is a big dog and Devonta for my money. And it makes me sick. Makes me sick to say it. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. I, I, I have argued. I somehow have found myself arguing on behalf of the Green Bay Packers skill position. But I don't understand why that. Why I have been put in this position. Like I don't understand why I have. It has come to this. But it's where Green Bay fans have. I think they've argued that. Well, Mahomes has all these has all this talent, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any. And I'm like, oh, hold up here. Hold up here. I think the one, two, three, you take the best, the running back, the top wide receiver and the quarterback, it's pretty hard to top Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers. That's a hell of a one, two, three. And Devontae Adams deserves all of this credit. And that's what the first sentence says here, Jamie. There's no longer any debate. And I totally agree with you in fantasy and I think otherwise as well. Yeah, and he's a player that I, I talked about in the preseason as on a per-game basis because he's going to miss a couple games. Like he did this year. It's, you, have to, you have to bake that in when you get that. But on a per-game basis, he was the wide receiver one. I had him ranked behind Michael Thomas at the start of the year, uh, just like almost everybody else. But I said they were neck and neck, and on a per-game basis, I actually had a higher uh, projection for Devontae Adams than Michael Thomas. Uh, look, he, he's done this for years now. I, I, I don't know what more you need to see from him. Uh, you know, he's the wide receiver one on a per game basis in 2018 wide receiver six in 2019 was the wide receiver one this year. Uh, he, you know, he's going to get the work. There's nobody takes it away from him. Everybody, I, there, there's, there's no reason to believe that he can't keep this up because all of the arguments about why he couldn't ha- have been disproven. 
oh, well, they don't have another weapon to go to. So they didn't in 2018, they didn't in 2019. Oh, well, well he's going to miss a couple games. Yeah, he okay. did in 2018, he, he did in 2019. Like all of the things that you would use to knock him down or say, and again, knocking him down to like wide receiver two or wide receiver three or something like that are, are gone. So I think at this point, the greatness that is Devontae Adams this year, uh, again, 4.4 points per game more than the wide receiver two. You got to think about that. Like is that 4. good, Chris? 4 over that good, the Chris? second best receiver in fantasy. Hold on, hold on. Let me just. Can you uh, confirm? Some quick math. Here. He had, very good, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris, I need you to, to type in these calculations. Okay. This is good too. Six 30 plus point outings through week 16, including three 40 plus point games. Okay. Like that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Those are those types of numbers are what I call matchup winning numbers. Those out. are the ones. I guess maybe we have to call them Camara like numbers because that's going to yes. be the new standard of what happens when you have those games. Now again, I know Camara at fifty six, blah blah, but you know what I mean. Where you get forty from Devontae Adams. Yeah, and it's a wrap. You're going to need some help to lose. Like yeah. you're really going to need some bad performances from your guys to start losing at that point and he has that potential and i think this is where the tier break for top running backs is for me there are some other guys i like but i think we start to get into some more risks than i think that we have in the top eight and i know devonta has come off the board at like five i'm aware of where these receivers are going and this is why i said this is what i would do if sure. i was drafting right now which is going to come up with an argument probably at the end of the show where you ask where i have saquon barkley because he's spoiler it's not going to be talked about on this show either so it's this is going back to what I would do and understanding that that means I might not get shares of guys. Like, so, I mean this, but I want, this is kind of more of an exercise to kind of think outside of the box and away from the norm of, we always take the wide receiver one at, at the fourth or fifth or sixth pick. Well, you did that this year. You were probably disappointed. Well, and Jamie, just looking at traditional numbers, not just fantasy numbers, you're right. There is no recency bias here. I mean, 1,300 receiving yards this year, felt three yards short of a 1,000-yard season last year in which he only played 12 games. And then in 2018, he had 1,300 yards again. And two of those three seasons, double-digit touchdowns, and he's only 28. It's going to be 29. So it's not like he's peaking at, at like age 32, 33, and you're wondering mm -hmm. if he's going to fall off a cliff. You got another year or two, if not more, before we have to have that conversation. So the consistency's there. The age is on your side. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with him missing a game or two. But honestly, guys, in fantasy nowadays, you deal with that anyway. Everybody For gets sure. banged up. Everybody misses a game nowadays. Everybody and misses. I, I mean, Michael Thomas missed almost the whole season, guys. That was a guy we could count on a lot, right? I mean, these are these, this, is, this is now happening. And I understand this year – should be viewed differently. But I caution people to think that we are going to be in a place in this upcoming season where everything is just back to a normal year, right? I just think that that is, I think we're obviously going to be in a better place, but to think that we're just going to get everything back to normal and preseason is going to be preseason and training camp is going to be training camp and all this stuff is just going to be back to normal, I think is borderline miraculous thinking. Right. Like it's just like everything go is perfect by that time. I mean, we're talking about rookie training camp is in May guys. Like that's really not that far from now. Like it's, it's, I don't think we're going to be in a normal year until the year 2022. I really truly believe that. And I think that that continuation of viewing how these players are going to handle that, how many more injuries we're going to factor in, how, how their bodies are going to respond to things differently when they don't have what I call the football wear and tear built up through a normal training camp and a normal amount of preseason games. It's almost like everybody has a little bit of the injury risk now. Like Christian, Christian McCaffrey is a perfect example. We walked in this year and we said, it's the, it's the most confident I could ever feel at 1.1. And guess what happened? 
Most of the year, I didn't have Christian McCaffrey. Like, I I mean, it's it's a factor for everybody. It's a factor for everybody. And the fact of the matter is, too, missing a game or two from a top option that still provides you elite production for your other 14 fantasy games is not going to kill you. Missing half a season, sure. And if there's somebody that you know is going to miss eight games or is coming off a major injury or something like that, that's where that really factors in. But you don't take a lesser talent that's going to play, it's going to give you 16 games of good production over 14 games of great production. No. Or 13 games of great production. And I think that that's where you have to kind of draw those lines. And that's why I, you will see in all of my work, I love to use fantasy points per game. Yes. I, I don't want to use total fantasy points because I think that gets very deceiving. And that gives you a lot of credit for people that are accumulators. This going to go back to the Hall of Fame conversation like in baseball, accumulators versus peak performance. But to me, is yes, there is value in being available for your fantasy team every single week. But the option isn't if this player is out, if Devontae Adams misses the game, you're not taking a zero. And the replacement level at wide receiver is pretty high. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take a shot on a 14 games of Devontae Adams and two, and two games on a wide receiver three-level type of replacement value that I could get for him over go, taking a lesser option because I feel comfortable play, them playing 16 games. Now, not that anybody is doing that this year, but that was something that was a conversation with for Adams sure. the previous two seasons. For sure. And I think you, you also get yourself in trouble when you start labeling players injury prone or injury risk and you categorize them all the same, right? It's just not the same. Like just that blanket statement is so different, right? There are players that have had injuries that have missed, you know, an average of two to three games, or there's guys that miss half a year every year, right? Like that, those are two completely different categorizations. And it's kind of just like, we all just bucket them into, well, that guy's injury prone, that guy's injury, like, uh, okay, all right, well, like, is he going mi- to play 14 games or is he going to play eight games? Because that matters. It's a lot different, and it, it's just one blanketed statement. So I'm with you, Devontae Adams, at this position. I know he's not going to be there for me to draft at, one, at the ninth overall spot, I don't think, in a lot of leagues. I hope in some of my leagues that are a little bit, uh, especially my high school league, that tends to be really, really dialed in and very competitive. Um, sometimes you can get somebody later on that waits, so – uh, it is a Chicago league though. So we tend to just say, you know, F green Bay and not try and not try and have any of those guys. And I take them and then win. So it's just, it's, that's, that's the best way is just to take your fan allegiance and throw it out the window when it comes to fantasy football. Right. The next guy we're going to talk about here, Jamie, Austin Eckler comes off the board at 10 and your opening line has been a strange year for Eckler. And I think it's been a strange year for the chargers, right? So it's, it's, we want to temper what you how much stock you put into what you saw this year because I think you're just going to see a completely different version of this team with the new coaching staff right like I I, you have to factor that in and I know we have to figure out who that coaching staff is going to be but there are some pretty nice options that start to make everybody in LA more fantasy relevant Right. And I think that's the exciting thing is if you start to really play that out and there's not just one option, there's multiple options where I look at it and I go, okay, the move away from Anthony Lynn, this is an upgrade, right. For fantasy purposes. I don't want to argue about the coaching stuff. I think that's to be determined, but strictly speaking from a fantasy lens, it's an upgrade. So I like where you have him here. I think it's a, I think it's a safe spot to say as of right now, what we know, this is where you'd take him. And this is where I, I put him in this spot too, because I, th- I think especially when a player misses a lot of time the season before, and maybe they're not, they're not McCaffrey, where everybody knows his situation. The tendency is to just throw them so far down the board and kind of miss, you know, miss what actually happened. 
Yes, he only played nine games this year, nine of the first 15 games, because I wrote this after week 16. But in those nine games, he still produced as the RB8 in fantasy. Like, he was still a top eight fantasy running back. Now, he wasn't as good as the previous year. He was averaging almost 19 and a half points the previous year. He was down in the mid-16s this year. So he wasn't anywhere near as good as he was last year. And quite frankly, he probably isn't going to be. Is, are any other running backs going to take touches from him? Sure. But they have throughout this process. And, and, and that's where I get kind of frustrated because I've gotten some pushback on this one saying that, yeah, but they have to give touches to somebody else. They have been. Yeah. They gave – how many touches did they give to Melvin Gordon? How many touches did they give to the combination of Josh Kelly and Kalen Balaj and Justin Jackson at different points in the year? Wow. It, you're, and, and, again, this is for full PPR. He is still going to be a tremendous part of the passing game, and he's got a true franchise quarterback there. Yeah, he's got a – and for all of those of you, that's Jamie. He's starting a rock band, actually, in the background. That was – I'm really excited for that. Yeah, they decided today's a good time to do construction, like, in the middle of the day. This is – let's just address- well, What are they doing? What kind of construction are they doing? Yeah. Let's, no idea. I think they're not just for doing, me. They're not they're upgrading doing, my kitchen. They're do, I think they're doing the construction that is, like, name a time that's l- the least amount of convenience for the people that live there, and let's do that right? It's always that. It's never anything else. It's like, oh yeah, this time frame, everyone's on a Zoom call. Yeah, let's do it then. That sounds great. We're definitely doing it at that time. Uh, Chris, do you have anything to to bring to us about Austin Eckler? Because oh. I'm not going to argue. I would love to argue with Jamie on this one. This is not one that I'm going to argue because I think this is, this is one where I know, and I know Jake would probably argue because he was a little lower on Austin Eckler overall than, than Jamie was, but I think this has the potential to be like, I think he could rise a little bit when we talk about where we are uh, specifically for me and how, ex- how much excitement and how much fantasy value I see with the chargers, especially if they actually decide to collectively upgrade that offensive line, right? Can we just, can we just decide that we, we watch Justin Herbert and although he's six, six and a tough SOB, we're not going to do that again. All right, can we just not do that? And then that could help out also with the running game, and then we can like everybody there. But I think I'm going to fall in love with a lot of these options, depending on what happens, obviously, in the offseason. I would like to play the role of uh, doing a dramatic reading of all the people in Jamie's Twitter mentions. Jamie, how can you put a guy coming off of a major injury at number 10 and it not be Saquon Barkley? How could you have Austin Eckler here and not Saquon Barkley? Was that a good, accurate representation of what people are tweeting at you right now? Pretty much. Uh, it, it's more so that they just can't believe I don't want Barkley in my first round. Or really, actually, he's, in the spoiler, he's not even my top 20. Like, he's it just – I. we have major concerns, and we'll get into that. Uh, on one of these days and we've already touched on it a bit on the show about you know running backs coming off of major ACL injuries and you know I kind of I cite in there uh, a study done by fantasy labs in 2015 about fantasy production specifically for running backs coming off of ACL surgery spoiler it's not great like there is a significant dip in production oh shocking shocking that it, it it's almost like we told you so right like I don't this is the best example, and I know Jake is usually the mouthpiece of this conversation because he just he likes to hit it home off of this, but I think it's because it drives him nuts that this conversation doesn't really happen in what I would call the more large mainstream media like ESP. They, it's always, well, they're just going to have a turnaround, right? Like they're just going to get it back to normal and just show me the proof, right? Stop using Adrian Peterson as the barometer for what you can use because he's not of this world, okay? Like, in the nicest way possible, the man is just built differently than all the rest of us. And to think that the outlier is now what we put 
everybody up to instead of looking at it exactly like it should be. He's the exception, not the rule, right? You, you got to stop using that. And I understand, listen, Saquon's built like a specimen as well. He's, I know he's going to work as hard as he can to get himself back, but he's also had multiple injuries now, guys. Like it's not, this isn't just a one injury thing. And I, I will be so happy if to be wrong, right? I will be so happy to be wrong that Saquon Barkley goes out and he's unbelievable and he'd show, and he proved so happy. But show it to me first. I'm not going to make the mistake. I'm not going to be the one yeah. that drafts him. That's, I, I hope it happens. I'm not rooting for any other scenario, but I, I have watched too much football to think that we're going to be wrong on that, Jamie. It's too risky for me to go around one. It just, it just is. And I realize that means I'm going to get exactly zero shares of Saquon Barkley this year. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine yeah. with that. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know what? That's okay. But the other issue here is that I want to see how high he goes. Cause I've seen him as high as like five or six. Well, that's and where to he's going to go, Jamie. But that, that you're paying for full value. Like, what is what do you get? What is your upside there? None. That he Zero. matches the value. You, you like, can't. The potential, the yeah, the potential downside is just unbelievable. If you're gonna take him at pretty much ninety six percent of what his price would have been if he was fully healthy and had a great season this year. I just, I can't, I can't in good faith do that, knowing what I know. I can't in good faith think that the impossible is possible. Cause that's basically what you're asking for. You're asking if you're going to draft him at the fifth overall spot, you're asking, you're asking for an impossible task from your first overall pick. And that's, that's where you have to be as certain as you can possibly be. And that is coming from the person who has drafted Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey back to back years at the one spot. Okay. So I am at one, I am not, I will redo the randomizer if I end up as the one spot again. Okay. I absolutely refuse to keep cursing people by drafting in the one spot. And two, I have, I have luckily for me in my other leagues, I was always around the midway to the back half where I drafted like heavy, heavy running backs. And I drafted some of these guys that we told you about like Aaron Jones and Chris Carson, some of these other guys that I was able to get good value on. And I didn't overexcite myself with Julio Jones, right? Or some of these other guys that ended up not having good seasons as well. But I think I understand why you love Saquon Barkley. And I think we all do. Saquon's a good dude, hell of a football player. And as I said before, I think Jamie and I will collectively be excited to be wrong. Like neither one of us likes being wrong. I will be excited to be wrong about this one because I always want guys to come back. I just don't think I can. I don't think I'm going to be wrong on this. And it's not because I don't want to be. It's not because I want to shove it in everyone's face and be petty about it. It's because I don't have proof that it's going to happen. And that's my problem with, this, with, with Saquon in the first round. And, and normally, as we do on the show, we're about the sidebar down, down a path and maybe never get back on track. But the, when, when Jamie and Paige are saying this, and I, and I agree with you guys, you're not saying that Saquon Barkley isn't going to be a good football player no. next year. Yes. Right? And I think there's a disconnect with people that, oh my gosh, Jamie doesn't have Saquon Barkley in his first two rounds. He thinks Saquon Barkley was a waste of the fourth overall pick, that he's a bad football player, that he's a scrub, and that he's never going to be anywhere decent for the Giants. That's not what is being said here. There is a value proposition game that needs to be played when you're making these decisions. And to Jamie's point, if you're going to take Saquon Barkley at four or five, probably where he would have been, give or take a spot or two, if he was completely healthy, you're not being a fantasy manager. You're not getting value. You're not trying to maximize what you get out of every draft pick. 
there is a different mindset that needs to be applied here. And I, I just think, Jamie, a lot of the people that are going after you on Twitter, because you shared one of these with us uh, in the back channels of the TDN Fantasy Slack, it, it, I think there are people that just think you think Saquon Barkley is going to be the worst running back in the league next year. And, and it's just, it couldn't be further from the truth. No, no New he, York, it, chill out, New York. Like, chill out. I get it. You're upset. First of all, Jamie is one of you. One of us. Like, he can do the one of us, champ, because he's literally rocking a Yankee shirt as I look at him right now. Like, he is one of you crazy people, okay? Just chill out. He's trying to help you out. And guess what? If you want to be angry at somebody for drafting a running back, the person to be angry at is not Jamie, okay? Because I get being upset that you drafted a running back in, the, in a top spot in the real-life draft. And I think we can argue about that on another show, but probably not your best move. Right, that, But that doesn't mean that Saquon's – you did what you did, and that doesn't mean that Saquon's going to suck as a football player. We know he's a no. good football player, but he's probably not going to play 16 games. And, and if he does, to stay healthy, he can't be used in the way that they wanted to use him because that would be moronic. Exactly. And I think the point here is – I know we live in a world where everything is either one or the other. It's what You, you love him, you hate him. You, you, he's great or he sucks. You're not allowed to have any nuance here. But what I'm saying – count me in on 2022, Saquon. I count me in on him having a really good chance of being a first rounder. I've had to project two years out, but for this year, I have concerns and we have seen significant production drop off. He, he ends up coming in for me at pick 23. So at the very end of the second round, uh, and he comes in as my RB 14 right now. Like, so I'm not saying he's going to be terrible. RB 14 is a good a, player. You have him but, as a, yeah, that's a still in a, in a 14 team league. That's an RB one. Yeah. You have in a 14 team league and a 16 team league. He's an RB one. Right. But if you're, I think about people and I think about people that are, you know, you go into an auction draft, right? And I think about the guys that you pay for. You can't pay for, you can't play first round value for Saquon Barkley in 2021. That's going to kill you. You I can't. Won't be. There, and there's almost nothing that can happen between now and draft. Like that one, like he might move a little bit, but he's not moving into the first round for me. Like no. there's just, uh, there, I just, I understand it. Look, if you want to take the risk, that that's your prerogative. I just think you're taking an unnecessary risk if it's that high. If you're at the turn of the first round, you say, screw it. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take him. He fell to me. I wouldn't do it, but I understand why you would do it. Taking him in the top five, you're expecting basically him to, to be as good as you thought he was going into last preseason, coming off a major ACL injury, which by the way, didn't get surgery on for, I believe almost two months after it happened. So like, exactly. I just, this is not the year I'm going to, I'm going to be in on Saquon. No, thank you. I will not own any shares of Saquon. I can assure you of that because he's not going to go in a place in any of the leagues that I'm going to be playing in where I'm going to feel comfortable drafting him. I just know it. I know most of the time he's going to get overdrafted and it's just not going to be a player that I own own any shares on. We will end with New York. Chill out. Okay. Chill out. One of us. Just remind yourself. Yankees. Jamie is one of us. Okay. He's one of you people. So just chill out. He's not putting a hex on you. I actually, I'm on the call with two New Yorkers. Like, I don't know how this happened to me where I got stuck in this scenario where, but Jamie, the nice thing for Jamie is that he's now living in Chicago. He upgraded himself. He has now decided he's going to live in a better city. He's going to, uh, he's going to take this opportunity to become a Bears fan because everybody in New York is nuts about their football team. So this is good. I've, I've now come at peace. I'm at peace. I got Jamie in the halfway point and Chris is still off in Jets land. God only knows what he's doing over there. All right. The first non-running back, non-wide receiver to go is... Patrick Mahomes off the board here in the first round. Great pick, Jamie. Great job out of you there. No chance. It is actually somebody who also plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, and his name is Travis Kelsey. 
Why is that? Because as Jamie so eloquently puts on this uh, article that you can check out on the draftnetwork.com, go to the fantasy tab. You'll see it there. Uh, the fourth best fantasy wide receiver, but oh, wait, he's a tight end. Joke's on you. And guess what? Nothing going to change because he's locked up. Don't forget that Kansas City already locked up their guys, right? They took, they took the cap and they did some fun magician things. They, they wiped the whiteboard down. They said, okay, we're going to move this money over here. We're going to move this money over here. And they made it all happen. They made it all work so they could keep the core together. And Travis Kelsey will be with Patrick Mahomes in 2021. Thank you very much. Sign me up for him. I never draft tight ends early. The one exception is Travis Kelsey, Jamie. Yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever put a tight end in my first round. Um, and I was hesitant last year when people were doing it with Kittle and, and Kelsey. And look, if you took, if you took Kelsey toward the turn, you, you paid off for you. I was wrong. I mean, I, I was close. So I was thinking of him more in the late teens. That's where I kind of felt comfortable with him there. I, I can't deny it anymore. I mean, finish like you said, from wide receiver four. This year, he would have been if he had that position. He has a tremendous advantage being able to put him at tight end. And this isn't a one-year thing, obviously. He would have finished as the wide receiver eight each of the last two seasons. So you basically have the opportunity here late in the first round. If all, if all, In this case, you have nine top running backs off the board. So now you're in a spot where I feel like there are some question marks. There are a lot more question marks and answers. This is where I think you start going, looking at pass catchers really heavy. And the advantage of being able to put Kelsey in your tight end spot and essentially – playing a top eight wide receiver at your tight end spot while freeing up your two free wide receivers. Uh, I think it's a tremendous value. I, I'm, I'm surprised they wouldn't have believed it last year at this time, but uh, you can't, you can't deny the success. And he has been as consistent as you can imagine. He is a, just tremendous talent, future hall of famers, got a future hall of fame quarterback. He's got a future hall of fame coach. I mean, you can't ask for a better situation and better production than what you've gotten from Travis Kelsey. Nope. You absolutely cannot. And I think it's, one of the things where I feel like it's an exception to the rule, like he deserves the exception to the rule category, right? Where I'm usually looking at a tight end, I'm going, eh, is it worth it? Yeah, he's proven that he's worth it for a long time, right? He's proven that he's worth it for a long time, and we know who's throwing him the football, and we know what that offense is going to look like, and you have to be excited if you had him this year because he definitely, especially with George Kittle going down, was clear-cut, number one, no questions asked in fantasy football. All right, the last pick here in the draft, okay, in the first round. Yes, yes, Chris. Is this where Patrick Mahomes is? We get a quarterback at the last part of the first round. Great pick, Jamie. Great job. If you had your sound bar, I would ask you to play the buzzer noise saying that that was wrong because it's okay, actually – Yeah, that – oh, well done, Jamie. Well done. Uh, the, That's going on. Another – another Kansas City Chief, not named Patrick Mahomes – and that is Tyreek Hill, right? And that is because, as I just said, for a lot of reasons that you love Travis Kelsey, right? The very similar reasons that you love Tyreek Hill. You know he's a number one in an offense that's going to score a lot of points. Patrick Mahomes is throwing in the football. He's been consistent with Alex Smith and with Patrick Mahomes. I, I totally love, especially when you're at this point, where if you're at the turn, you can get one of these top, wide receivers and go running back. You can go in any direction that you want, but I will, I like where this is. I like having Tyreek Hill at this last spot in your first round, Jamie. Yeah, he was the wide receiver two this year. He had seven 21 plus point games. And I think, again, this is important too. It's not just, yes, you want consistency from week to week. You don't want necessarily guys to get you like 30 and then three, because it kind of sinks you across the season, but you do need some peak. 
And that is especially early in the drafts in those top 15, top 20 picks. You need guys that have at least a high peak that can be matchup winners for you at times. And I know Tyreek Hill had that one just, just ridiculous all-timer game. You not necessarily need to be that sort of a peak, but you need to have a peak there. But he's on a four-year run right now on a per-game basis, which, again, dates, predates Patrick Mahomes, that goes wide receiver six, wide receiver six, wide receiver nine, and now wide receiver two. He has been tremendously productive for you. He's got an extremely high floor. His ceiling is as high as anybody in the NFL at the wide receiver position on a weekly basis because of his skill set and because of the offense that he's in. Uh, to me, he was the last of like the clear – this guy needs to go in the first round. Like, who do I not have in the first round that absolutely kind of has to go there? He was the last guy for me. So he fits yeah. perfectly right there at pick 12. Yeah, he fits perfectly at pick 12. He's been consistent. We know what the offense looks like. It's a good spot to get him uh, very excited by how this last part of the first round ended. Now, as a teaser, as a teaser, if you have not read this article, okay, if you have not read this article, there is a second round the Jamie entered into the chat, okay? Now, feel free to go in and argue all you want and send all of those tweets to add Jamie Eisner, okay? Those are all, uh, you can send all your angry, angry tweets, and guess what? We may even read some of the angry tweets. We might even have our own version of a mean tweet segment on this very own podcast. I think we need to do it. I think, Chris, you need to make that happen. And on that point, for those that were tuning in today, if you've remembered, if anything, you know, this, this last more than a year now because we're outside of 2020 has been just a, a mind jumble, but uh, we are still doing the roast of me. It was going to be today, but it doesn't feel right without Jake being here. We have to have the yeah. entire crew here to enjoy that. So that is still on top uh, on tap probably next week at this time. Yep. Uh, we're still going to do that. So the, don't, don't shy away from that. We didn't forget. We're not canceling it. I'm not getting out of it. It's still happening. No chance. No. And, and just real quick and everybody gather closer to your podcast, listening devices really quickly. In doing the research for this, and trust me, Jimmy, there's plenty of clips about you. There are some rumors oh, about you. Oh, that I can't wait for. To the roast, um, including one. And again, listeners of the show, you're going to get a heads up on this that he doesn't know. He's got to take about Carson Wentz, uh, about him being an MVP candidate uh, that is going to uh, come up in the roast next week. So there you have a little bit of a, a heads up. I was doing the research. And, Jamie, there are plenty. Does, does, does your take about Jamal Adams ring a bell? Because it's going to come home to roost here. I actually don't remember what I said about Jamal so, Adams. Yeah, okay, Perfect. good. Glad you Perfect. Know. Just, just hold on because it's really bad. Uh, but but th there are some good Jake ones in there. That we're Still wouldn't have traded two first-round picks yeah, for him, even, what I, even with the information I have now. Uh, I, I don't have really no idea what I said. We'll have to wait. You know, I'll wait and see. I can't, yeah. I can't defend what I don't even know what I said. No, but I'm sure there's a few. Oh, there's probably some fantastic ones. I am so glad that we are going to revisit the Carson Wentz MVP conversation. I cannot wait. I about that. I cannot wait. It's so like to revisit cut and dry, it. like Carson Wentz will be an MVP candidate. Like there's no like. It's so good. Deshaun Watson will not. And it's oh, not wrong on Deshaun. Just more so, really wrong. It's the only reason Deshaun's not an MVP candidate because his team is garbage. Deshaun had a top five season. Yeah, like, he you did. just want to like stack up quarterback seasons. It might be fourth or fifth. He's so good. And I don't know if you've seen the clip of JJ Watt telling him like, we wasted a year, man. Like, I'm sorry, man. I was like, almost brought me to tears. I was like, dude, like JJ Watt is such a teammate. Like he just feels so bad that they did not get a year of, of eligibility to be in the postseason while Deshaun's special. Um, and I think that puts a nice bow on Chris's argument about Deshaun Watson and paying him, doesn't it, Chris? I think that puts a nice bow on making Future you Jet look quarterback to Sean Watson. Oh, just honestly, just because I need to troll you and live for it. I need that to happen. 
Like I need, I, I hope it happens. Right. But I hope for probably for Deshaun's case that he gets to go play somewhere else. Cause you know, if the bears would have done what I told them to do, they would have drafted Deshaun. So you know what? Maybe let's make even on this nice little promise here. Okay. Let's just bring, bring Deshaun to Chicago where he should have been to begin with. Right. He got, I don't understand why we didn't do that. And I'm still upset about it very clearly. All right. Please go check out Jamie's second round, right? I mentioned that to you. You can go to the draftnetwork.com, hit the fantasy tab. You will see the second round in there. It starts things off hot with a wide receiver. Very, I'll give that little tease away that uh, really surprised me this year um, in a really positive way. Uh, and man, oh man, there's a lot of excitement. There's gonna be a lot of excitement around that offense going into 2021, especially in fantasy. All right, guys, final thoughts, Chris. I will let you let you come into the show and give us your final thoughts. Please be wise about what you're gonna offer up to the listeners at the end here. Yeah, no, I, th- this is a very fun mental exercise that I, I don't think I've ever done in terms of at the end of the season, immediately thinking, what would I do at the beginning of next year? So Jamie, this I'll say something nice about you. I appreciate you doing this for me and all of the listeners. Clip that and put it, it on your board. It'll, I'll put Please, it on, I appreciate it. you. Just clip that. Yeah, I'll put it on the soundboard. But seriously, because I think it's a great mental exercise to now be able to, when we get, and you've talked about this, when we get to draft season, I can now look back to this conversation and say, okay, why are we changing our minds from what we talked about at the beginning of the year in January. Why are we getting there? And is there enough logic to justify the changes that we're making? So this has been a fun exercise. I hope we can keep doing it as you uh, release the rounds for this, because this has been very fun. Yeah, yeah we're definitely, good- we have to break down the second round and we will. Oh, we, we will, will talk about uh, we this. Will. We have plenty of off-season content to get into, uh, but Jamie, go ahead, final thoughts. Well, and that's a great point, Chris. I mean, I can't believe I'm giving you a compliment, but uh, the, the reason for this exercise too, and this is what I keep saying with all of this stuff, this is not, I'm not, we're not telling you what to do. We're telling you what we would do. And I think that is a, is a good distinction here, but it's so easy in six, seven, eight months from now to go back and look at things in a vacuum and put players where you think they should be. And a lot of times, I'm sorry, that's heavily influenced by whatever site you're playing on's ADP or what the other site you're playing on's rankings from internally. Like we talk about this in draft season a lot where people that play on Yahoo have vastly different ADPs and those that play on Fantrax, those who play at ESPN, those who play on Sleeper. Like the ADPs are usually not at the very, very top, but even as early as like rounds three, four, five, where you start to see massive shifts because of where people tend to not like to hit that scroll button in their draft. Like <laughs> if they don't see them in that window of 15 or 16 players, so accurate. they don't tend to draft them. But this, what this exercise does, and what I, I hope it does, is get you kind of thinking about your own personal big board or your own personal mock draft of what you would do in these scenarios if they come up. And like Chris said, be able to apply them when we have some new information, because it's going to be very easy for us to say this running back should be, is, should be is the consensus RB seven, because Matthew Barry says this and the fantasy footballers say this and draft network says this. this is a, so there's their RB seven and not remember the context of how we got there. If I rank somebody as my RB seven, who's my RB 15 right now, I want you to ask me why, why, what sure. changed with no football being played. Now it might be, draft or free agent related or coaching related or quarterback related or whatever it could be. There are plenty of things that will jumble these rankings around. And some of them, like I've gotten some pushback and worry about JK Dobbins because everybody's coming off of JK Dobbins mania of saying like, this is probably as low as I'm going to have him. And I think he's going to likely rise when we get to the off season. 
But right now, assuming they re-sign Gus Edwards, assuming they operate in this multi-back scheme that they have been operating under with Greg Roman for a couple of years now, his upside is going to get capped a little bit, even if he is a tremendous talent. Does that change? Do we have indications that changes in a few months? We might. And if it does, he'll move up. But this is a kind of a good exercise to kind of see where you would put players and get ahead of the game while you're still in it. You still remember what things were like this year and make notes on them. So when you come back a few months down the road, this stuff doesn't get lost. And you're just kind of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, beholden to other people's rankings or even my rankings or projections. You, don't, you shouldn't be beholden to anybody's stuff. You should be able to, to grab from a lot of different places, do your own research and kind of put stuff together. This is part of the research process of being able to record what you feel like right now in the moment. You have all of the information about the 2020 season at your fingertips and it's front of mind. Use that. Uh, and then on my last note there is, uh, as Paige and Chris both uh, indicated, Every Tuesday from now through the first Tuesday after the Super Bowl, I'm adding a new round to this mock. So round three will be available next week. Round four, I believe that ends up getting to like round seven or eight. So we'll have a nice little mock draft put together, a multi-round where we're going to have probably 100-ish picks made. Uh, so that'll be a very good resource for you to check out each week, debate with me, get angry, get excited, whatever it might be, but also resource to kind of keep tabbed as you start to do your research in a few months. Yeah, it's... Uh... I've loved this exercise not to make Jamie feel too good about himself, but I think the, the reality is so often we forget by the time we get to the beginning, right? By the time we get to where we are, where we're drafting and, and having these conversations in June, July, and August that we don't remember how we felt at the end of December and January. And one of the things that I started to do is I have a yellow notepad because Jamie and I are a hundred year olds. Okay. We're like the oldest people. We're the youngest people that write with that write constantly on notepads that I know. Right. And it's, I have been writing notes over the last three weeks of fantasy on some of the tendencies that I took away from the season, some of the things in my team specifically. And then in the leagues that I play in and have played in for a long time, some of the things that I noticed, right? And so that's like, I basically started a fantasy football diary. So my fantasy football nerdy level has now gone to the highest level that I could possibly achieve, all thanks to Jamie, because he made me kind of think about things in a different way where I was like, hey, it's hard to remember how I felt about insert player in December. It just is. The only player that scarred me so bad that I literally hated him forever is Eddie Lacy. He's the only one. I hated him forever, Okay. I, I don't, I don't, there was, I, for like three years in a row, I was like, no, you'd bring up Eddie Lacy. Like Chris and Jake were like Eddie Lacy. And I was like, no, just no. Like, I'm not drafting him. I don't care if it's the fifth round. Like, it's just not happening. He's the only one that scarred me enough that I remembered it. So I think you should definitely partake in this exercise with us because it's fun. And then you can do what Twitter does best. You can come to us and you can say, Hey, idiots. You told us in December that you liked him in the second round, and now you have him at the fifth overall pick. Why the hell did you do that, right? And we better have a damn good answer for you, right? So, like, hold us accountable. Like, I love that aspect of what Jamie brought up because that's exactly why we're doing this. Like, we want to be able to deliver you the accountability that you deserve. And, and that's what the roast is going to be about, too. And I, yeah. I want that to be an annual thing because, uh, look, it, we're predicting the future. And I know there are some fantasy analysts out there that want to pretend they are just, they're all knowing they're great. They never make wrong. It happens in every community. It happens in the betting world. It happens all this stuff. Like they're never wrong. They've never made a bad pick. They were always right. They always told you not going to be that. I've gotten so much, so much wrong, but I think I've gotten a lot right. And I think I've gotten the logic of why I like things. 
uh, at least the logic part of it or showing my work part, which you see with the Eisner board in the preseason, that, that, that pretty well. But there is accountability. And part of the accountability is being able to publicly own when you were wrong. <clears throat> DK Metcalf, for example. Um, and I got to own that. Like I got to own the Matt Breida being a fantasy sleeper. You know, I thought the Dolphins would, I don't know, use the guy they traded a draft pick for, but they didn't. And Miles Gaskin became the guy. But that, but the thing is, is whatever the advice is, it should be used to help you make the best decision possible. We are not ever telling you what to do or what not to do. We're telling you what we would do and we would not do. And right. use it as part of your research. That's why I love doing the Eisner board stuff in the preseason. If you're not aware of that, because this was the first year where I did it for the Draft Network, it is a TDN premium feature where I do more than 200 player projections. And, and I go in, as deep as targets, carries, uh, you know, and, and of course, you know, yards, catches, touchdowns, all the normal stuff you would have, but it allows you to kind of look at things and say, okay, well, I think Russell Wilson's going to throw more than this. So I need to adjust his numbers and adjust DK's numbers and lock it. It allows you that ability to go like, okay, now that I'm looking at what, what Jamie thinks, I'm going to now use what my research and my thought process and my understanding, because odds are, if you're a fan of a favorite team, you're going to know more about that team than I do. I mean, it's, it's that simple. If you watch that team every single day, every single game, every quarter, every second, I'm trying to watch the whole league. You're going to know that team better. You can take that tool as a baseline and then mold it to help you work best. And that's the same thing with these things. They're fun. And again, I would just encourage you to, to do your own little mock drafts or your own little big boards right now and make some notes, you know, put it in, put it in a shoebox or wherever. I don't know where people save like things anymore. Like Chris, where do you save all the notes that you were passed in seventh grade? I uh, keep them in a little notebook. Okay, so like in a little notebook or something, and that way you have it. I went home. I, I found it and I pulled it. Yeah. Up some of the notes. Yeah. Do that. you like me? Circle one. Yes. No. Like wherever you keep those, uh, keep it there, and then again, pull it out in six, seven months when you're starting your research and go, okay, what has changed? What's the big difference? And you'll start to see that you'll be way more prepared for the shifts, and you'll realize that you won't ride the preseason wave that so many oh, of us. Oh yeah. And it's it's hard not to but you can avoid riding this up and down wave if you have a true concrete baseline that you trust. I love that. I love that. And it's like, it's a lot of people get a lot wrong. And for whatever reason, nobody wants to be accountable. So I love that we're doing this roast because you should be accountable. And I think we all stand behind everything that we say, because it's research-based, but you're guessing you're at the end of the day, you're making your best guess off the information that you have. Right pretty sure there's a lot of people in the draft community that would like to write an apology letter to Justin Herbert. I'd love to see it. Many of you, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we all love Justin Herbert. Don't you worry. I have the receipts, draft community, and they will be released. Don't you worry. For two years. Because uh, even before the- years. I, Well, get done this, oh, yeah. this, this rabbit hole, but I remember when the Giants were the biggest idiots in the world for considering Justin Herbert in 2019. Oh, yeah. Interesting. How the tables have turned, my friends. All right, Chris. And they took Daniel Jones. So like, yes. R.I.P. Uh, Chris, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-E-H-U. If there's a certain player that you remember, Jamie, uh, you know, and you want it as part of the roast, got to let oh, me yeah, know. Oh, yeah, I love that. I'm going through all of these old episodes. This predates me. This is before I was on the show, so I don't know these things off the top of my head. So I'm going through these shows to find some stuff. I might miss some things. By the way, Jamie, it, unbelievable how sometimes you're just spot on. Like Jared Goff, you're like, yeah, I have Jared Goff as my QB 18. And I look over to the screen where I'm looking at the numbers to cross-reference. And there's Jared Goff at QB 18. I'm like, I don't like this. I, I, none of this. There's a few Stop. things. Goff, I got right. Cam. Yeah. Yeah. Hold you. Not a top 20 quarterback. What well, wasn't. 
Also, I don't, let's not get down that rabbit hole. I saw the Schefter tweet about contract stuff. I, I can't even begin to discuss that today. Well, that'll be another show. I will not derail us with Cam Newton talk. But uh, yes, I get things right. I get a lot wrong. Uh, but I'm excited to see because some of these takes I have forgotten. Because especially as you do like sleepers by position, also other stuff that I write up and talk about on the show. That gets, I mean, sleeper conversation just, it dies like week three. Like then yeah. it's over. You'd never think about it again. So I'm very curious to, to see what you have dug up on me. It would be very fun. Jamie, how can everybody follow you and inevitably tweet at you about how they hate your mock draft? Yes, they can follow me and tweet at me your hate mail uh, at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Yes, and I might be delivering a mean tweet segment for the roast. I think I've decided and talked myself into that. So feel free to send me any of your angry tweets so that way I can read them. Poke fun at you, poke fun at Jamie, poke fun at Jake, poke fun at myself, poke fun at Chris just because I can. You can do all of those things by following me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You should follow our show at TDN Fantasy on both Twitter and Instagram. Please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. I know I've forgotten to say that the last couple of times, but if you guys do that, we, we really appreciate it. Wherever you're listening on Spotify, they now have the ability for you to kind of like like the show so that way it shows up every time and you can obviously subscribe on apple and google podcasts and everywhere else so please do that we greatly appreciate it and check out that mock draft at the draftnetwork.com thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube